The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. Two women, one older, postmenopausal, barren, infertile all her life. The second, a teenager, a virgin, unmarried but engaged to be married. And both are told they're going to have a son. For the first woman, this is unbelievable. For the second woman, This is unheard of. And these are precisely the kinds of situations where God does his best work. As the angel told Mary, nothing will be impossible for God. But I'm sure these two women wondered, what is God up to? What's he doing? And perhaps after prayerful reflection and reading, they came to the realization that God is fulfilling a promise, his most sacred promise, that is mentioned 414 times in the Old Testament, that he would bring forth a Savior, a Messiah. And we know that when God makes a promise, he fulfills it. God does not make idle promises. God can fulfill them. God will We just don't know when. And there's the frustration. We don't know when God's going to act on our behalf as we would like. This is, at times, not only a source of frustration for people, but a cause to lose hope or to lose faith. And when that happens, we can look to Mary, to Elizabeth, to Joseph, to these sturdy, faith-filled people that punctuate the Gospel of Luke. These stories that we hear every Advent that are so precious and meaningful to us. And we see that Mary, when she is told that she has been chosen by God in a unique way 
to, be the, uh, to bring forth the Savior of the world, it says, she goes in haste to the hill country of Judah. Now, that's a, a four-day journey. It would be highly unusual for a woman then or now in that part of the world to make that journey alone. But she went in haste. And we're told it was in the sixth month. It's important we get whose sixth month. It's Elizabeth's. So Elizabeth is six, six months pregnant by the time Mary is there. And perhaps the reason for that is Mary needs a sign, too. And a woman who is six months pregnant is probably very visibly so. It's not something you have to tell. So Elizabeth just has to stand up, and Mary sees that God is already fulfilling one of his great promises. And that can bolster Mary's faith because, as so often, when we see God working in somebody else's life, we come to realize he's working in ours as well. So Mary, in her confusion and who knows what else she's going through, looks to her cousin Elizabeth and sees that God's plan is unfolding. So these Advent stories that we do love can't just remain stories we hear or proclaim in liturgical context. These are stories that we are now called to integrate in our lives. We have to become characters in those narratives. We have to allow them to shock us into an awareness of God's mysterious presence, just as they shocked Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph and all of these other marvelous, faith-filled people in the scriptures. And when we doubt or when we wonder if God is going to fulfill those promises for us, we can do what Mary did. Look for an Elizabeth. Look for a revered person in your life, in the church, in the world. Someone who doesn't even have to speak, but who by his or her very presence says, God is alive, God is working. Because when we see God working in the lives of others, we know he will do the same for us. When? We don't know. We'll have to keep asking. When will God cure my spouse who has cancer? When will God find me a job so I can provide a livelihood for my family? When will God remove me from a very toxic context in which I have to work or live? When will God show me how to love my transgender child? When will God rid the earth of COVID? When, when, when? What we do know is that in God's good time, his promises will be fulfilled. And it might not be when we want, but when it does happen, it will always be an outcome that is best for us. 
because that's God's design. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. And this is a beautiful gift that the church gives us, a sacramental sign that's not intended to tell God, hurry up, hurry up, make me better. We can't rush God's plans. God isn't terribly concerned about our schedules. His is always better. But what the sacramental sign does do is it powerfully reminds us that our getting well is what God wants. In God's time, but is what God wants. This holy oil that was blessed by the bishop last year and taken to all parts of the diocese is a medicinal oil for that reason. Reminding us, as I said, that God is working to bring about a healing in us, whether it's physical or spiritual or mental. Ours is a God of healing. In the end, with these sacramental signs and with our prayers to God, we know that there's always the element of mystery. We won't understand why. It is what makes God frustrating, unpredictable, but it's also what makes God exciting and creative. And in the end, it's what calls us to do exactly what Mary did, and Elizabeth, and Joseph, and that is surrender. Mary's words to the angel were, let it be done to me as you said. And then the angel left her. When we surrender to God, we are surrendering to a divine plan that always has our best interests in mind.